You're listening to a sermon from the Open Door Lafayette. If by God's grace you find these sermons encourage your walk with and your love of Jesus, would you please consider giving to the Open Door? You can learn more about us, next steps, as well as how to give at theopendoorla.org. Well, good morning once again. It's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, Welcome to the Open Door. If you are visiting with us for the very first time, we're very thankful to have you with us this morning because we get to demonstrate what we've learned about the love of God. And what we've learned is if and when you have the love of Jesus, you cannot keep it to yourself. You must share it with somebody. And so we're so thankful to be able to share the love of Christ with you this morning. I hope you feel welcomed uh, as we begin our, our hour of preaching this morning. I'd like to just give you something to think about, something to hold on to, Uh, and maybe some of you will remember this, and I'd ask you just to remember uh, someone that's uh, with a frying pan in front of them, and they're cracking this egg open and dropping the egg into the frying pan. Maybe some of you remember that. Uh, There's this, this saying that the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Anybody heard that before? A mind is a terrible thing to waste, and you see the egg cracking. Uh, my mom would say, she'd say, you need to get your mind right. Anybody had a mama or a grandmama that used to talk like that? Tell us we need to get our mind right, that the mind is truly a terrible thing to waste. Don't worry about it, sis, it's Okay. And so as we take a moment to just think about that a little bit, then why would we waste it? You know, why would we waste uh, something that is, uh, you know, the Bible reminds us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And that God would create uh, in us a capacity to learn and to know of him. uh, And that our mind serves an indelible uh, place in Uh, within us, to be able to bring about that very work that we would know the Lord in the ferment of his power and the spirit of his truth. And so I just take this morning to spend some time and talk about that a little bit because the mind is the sum total of all of our mental, emotional, and spiritual faculties. Uh, Without drawing fine distinctions between the two, the mind is that that which thinks imagines, remembers, has wills and wants, has senses, and it's also the set of faculties responsible for these phenomenons in our life that allow us to experience life. The mind is also associated with experiencing perception, pleasure and pain, belief and desires, intentions and emotions. The power of the mind consists of our thoughts. The thoughts that pass through your mind are responsible for everything that happens in your life. If you just take a moment to think about it. Your predominant thoughts influence your behavior and attitudes and control your actions and reactions. See, Laos Sue said it this way, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. 
Watch your actions. They become your habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. It begins with the thoughts. It begins with the things that run through our mind. Something God created so that we would know him. See, the Old Testament, the mind and the heart is considered to be kind of the same. Proverbs 3, 1 says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. See, in the Old Testament, they associated the heart with the mind. And if we're not careful, we can miss it by those 18 inches. We can allow it to come through this, this fabric of what's up here, and it doesn't get down into what's in here. Someone used to say, uh, this is way back when Jeff was a young man, there was this, this uh, saying, it says, like, it goes like this, my head is made of African ivory and Tennessee marble, which serves as an impenetrable force of my poor caramel. In other words, sir, I'm dumb, very dumb, and do not understand. I ain't going to tell y'all why I know that. But if we're not careful, my grandmama used to say, a hard head makes a soft behind. <laughs> it can be hard to get things in here and make them stick. And it's so important that we take some time and to really see what God desires and plans and hopes for us. See, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this, for who have known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. God's so desire is to instruct us. But we have the mind of Christ. Can I talk about it this morning a little bit? Can I spend some time just talking about the mind of Christ? And so how God's desire that we wouldn't just say we have the mind of Christ, but that we would walk like we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. The greatest mind of all times was Christ. And so what is the mind of Christ? Let me, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me share with you a little bit. The mind of Christ is a mind that sees what the Father is doing. In John, the fifth, fifth chapter, the 19th verse, it says this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. See, Jesus was so attuned to keeping his eyes on his Father, to watching what God was doing, to see God's plans and purposes, that he's a loving God and that he was intentional about reaching out. He was intentional about everything that he was doing, and Jesus was keeping his eyes on his Father. See, the mind of Christ is a mind that sees what the Father is doing. The second, the mind of Christ is a mind that sets our minds on eternal life. See, so often we look at the cross and see that Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross, 
But as they were weeping for them, Jesus responded. Look, he said, don't weep for me. Weep for your sons and daughters. See, Jesus knew what it was all about. His mind was set on eternal. See, Colossians 3, 2 says this. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. See, the earth is temporary. It's fleeting. It's like seeking sand. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It will not last. And so Jesus set his mind on things that are above. And also the mind of Christ is a spiritual mind and not a carnal mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 through 16, it says, As these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so we see that Jesus' mind was a spiritual mind, that he was about spiritual things. He was about the, I'm going to say it this way, the truly real stuff. Because we can fix our eyes so much on this natural and carnal that's perishing day by day. When the real stuff, the eternal stuff, is the spiritual stuff. And it's so important if we proclaim Jesus our Lord and Savior, we are no longer natural, but we're spiritual. And it's so important that we get on the spiritual bus and get off the natural bus. And that we're walking in the spirit so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, of all those temporary things, those corruptible things. But we desire the things of the spirit, which are eternal and which are life. And so crisis reminding us of that, that he sees what the Father is doing, that he sets his mind on eternal life, that he's spiritually minded and not calmly minded. But Christ's mind is also a mind that gives us understanding to know God. Look what 1 John 5, verse 20 says. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life, so that we would have an understanding. The Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom, but in all you're getting, get an understanding. That we would understand the things of God. That we would understand his promises and precepts. 
that yes, when we make those wise, right decisions, it's with the understanding that God has an eternal plan that is bigger than the here and now. That there's so much more force. That we wouldn't fixate on the, on, on the here and now so much that we miss the hereafter. Did y'all hear that? That we wouldn't fix so much on the here and now that we miss the expectation of the hereafter. See, he wants us to get an understanding. In the mind of Christ, and I'm going to say it, I know we don't like to hear this, is a crucified mind. A mind that sacrifices, that gives. See, look what Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Jesus said, I must, I must suffer. I must lay down my life for the whole world, for others. See, that's the same mind that Christ is calling us to, that we'd allow ourselves to be a sacrificial, living sacrifice so that others would know the love of Christ, would know eternal life, and that it wouldn't just stop with us. The last thought I'd like to share with you on the mind of Christ, well, not the last. Y'all know better than that, right? Amen. <laughs> Is a mind of peace. See, let's, let's, let's grab hold to that, saints. Let's not walk away from that. A mind of peace. See, Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, God's peace would just rest upon us. That we would be at the center of the hope that we have in Christ. That we would trust in him. Lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. Let him direct our path. No matter what the path looks like, no matter the, the, the trial or tribulation, we'll have peace that passes all understanding. But does those thoughts capture the true and the full mind of Christ? I'd say not yet. Let me share a little bit more. Is that all right? Would you turn with me to Philippians 2, verse 4 and 5? Philippians 2, verse 4 and 5. Which leads me to the title of the sermon this morning, The Mind of Christ. So here's a little extra nugget, a, a lanyop that we can see the mind that Christ had. 
that we can understand truly what God was doing and desires that he has for our mind to be transformed, to be renewed. Here's what it says in Philippians 2, verse 4 and 5. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Father God, we pray your blessings over your engrafted word. Have your way this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. In this particular passage, Paul is writing this letter to the church of Philippi. He's encouraging them in the faith to have joy, but not to forget about loving God and loving others. The church was founded by Paul and Silas on one of his missionary journeys. This particular church is a cosmopolitan church. There's a diverse group of people uh, within the city, which is the chief city in Macedonia. And the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, speaks about Paul doing this second missionary journey and who he runs into. One of the people that he runs into is this Jewish woman uh, by the name of Lastra. She's a businesswoman. She listens to Paul's preaching and she is converted. She comes to Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. We also see that Paul encountered during this time a Greek slave girl. She was a soothsayer possessed of a demon. Uh, and she was the servant of uh, some masters in, the, in that day. But she became the servant of the Most High God. And so those demons had to flee. Her master was not, not excited about that. He was upset with Paul and Silas so much so that they threw him into jail. Because they took, care, they took away their finances. And so we see that Paul encountered a Jewish woman. Paul encountered a Greek slave girl. And while Paul was in prison, him and Silas... And I believe others were singing the praises of God, so much so that the prison doors burst open. And when the jailer got up and, and realized that the, 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 the gates were burst open, he thought they left and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out to him. And this Roman jailer, came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so we think about the church in Philippi. It had Jews. It had Greeks. It had Romans. And they're all striving in this joy that is the Lord's. And Paul writes this statement. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. See, he was reminding them that there is, even in your diversity, there's a fullness of joy that can occur. In Philippians 2, verse 2 and 3, he says this, Fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. See, Paul 
was reminding them in chapter one that there's joy in suffering. Even though we make like, how could that be joy in suffering? There is. In chapter two, he's reminding them that there's joy in serving. Thinking about others. Lifting each other up. Loving God and loving others. See, this is the true mind of Christ. When they ask Christ about the great commandments, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. And he said the second is likened to the first, to love your neighbor. See, for Jesus to just, just come out with that immediately when they asked him, that had to be on his mind day in and day out. That had to be permeating in his thoughts. The love that he has for his father and the love that he has for others. That he didn't take a second thought, that he didn't have to think about it. He just immediately said it. And so we see Paul bringing that out in Philippians 2, verse 4 and 5. Let me explain it to you. Let me take a moment to examine the mindset of Christ in this passage. See, he began to say look. See, that word look means to care and to have compassion. It doesn't mean just to look with our natural eyes. But it means to look deeply. To get on the journey. To look beneath to understand, take a moment and pause and understand what may be happening to your brothers and your sisters. To have compassion. Not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others, the affairs, the trials, the suffering of others. That is so important that we be acquainted with the sorrows of our brothers and sisters. And we don't forget about one another. That we love long and deep. And it's not from a, a gossip or a nosy approach, but from an approach of care and concern for others' well-beings. That we allow ourselves to be wrapped with Christ's love. That as we're coming in, we, we take a moment See, there's probably one or two that I can, when, when we walk in on a Sunday service or afternoon, that I can sense and tell that something's not right. You been there? And it's so important that we look, that we have compassion, that we care for the things of others. And don't try to get nosy all in people's business, but hold on to them a little longer. What's going on? How can I help? Let this mind of caring for others, of loving God and loving others be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, having the mind of Christ involves the ongoing work of a renewed mind. Yes, it's a transformational work of God. And God's word is the most powerful tool that he has graciously given to us to develop and to transform us. So that as we read his words, it's not words on a piece of paper, but it's life-giving. That we 
hear God. We sense God's compassion. We sense God's love coming off of those words of that page. And that we would have compassion and make a difference. See, here's the approach for Christ in us. We see it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, and be not conformed to this world. You know, the world is jaded. The world is hard and messed up. Dog eat dog. It's trying to conform us. To make us be hard and angry and mean and vicious. And God is saying, be not conformed to this world. In the very beginning, Cain killed Abel. Be not conformed to this world. In the beginning of times, God said, my spirit will not be with them long. They are growing worse and worse. Be not conformed to this world. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, Christ's mind was so focused on loving God and loving others that he was willing to step off from glory, from majesty, and to come down and allow himself to be crucified. Let me talk about it a little bit more. Reminding, renewing your mind means interpreting life through the lens of God's word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that works on the inside of us to transform our thinking, making it new and renewed, making it purposeful for God's glory so that our thoughts are like his thoughts and our ways are like his ways. But see, I'd have to admit to you that for many years as I thought about this, I mistakenly thought about it the wrong way when I thought about having the mind of Christ. In my limited thinking, on let this mind be in you, I immediately thought of being holy, having pure thoughts and actions, and maybe many of us have went there as well, and that's an aspect of it. But that's also such an inward focus. 
that I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to follow the Lord. And so I'm so focused on the I, 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 I. See, I don't think Christ was thinking that way. See, I don't think Christ was thinking I need to be holy because he was holy. I don't think Christ was thinking I need to stay pure because he was pure. And because he knew who he was and whose he was, he walked it out. I don't think Christ was thinking I need to refrain from sin. But more so what he could do for others to deliver them from sin. That his thoughts was on the will of the Father. See, so often we get tangled with the, what I need to do when it comes to the sin that we're dealing with. And I'm not saying that's not an aspect of it, that we don't, you know, discipline ourselves and walk according and obedient to God's plans and his purposes. But you've been made righteous in Christ. You ain't getting no more righteous. So it's out of that righteousness, and yes, we learn and grow, but out of that righteousness, we step out. And I guarantee you, if you're doing what Jesus said with the great commandments to love God and love others, you ain't going to sin. You're not going to walk it that way. Because as you're loving him, which is an action word, you're drawing near to him. You're coming closer to him. You're dwelling with him. You're walking with him. And the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He can't even stay, he can't even be with you in that walk. And as you're loving others, you're not trying to do this, you're doing this. How can I help? How can I edify? How can I lift you up? And in that aspect, we ain't got time for the other stuff. And so there's a transformative work that flows through in us and through us. Paul gives insight into what Jesus was focused on. He operated in who he was. Thoughts to actions. His thoughts of love for the Father and love for others caused him to take action. So look at verse 2, 6, and 7 in Philippians 2. It says this, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. See, this very verse tells us that he was equal with God in every way, in every fashion. 
And in our natural mind, we can think that if I'm equal, if I'm on this level, why would I subject myself to anything lower? Why would I get, why would I do something that's beneath me? We can get so entangled in things that just don't matter. And so Paul is bringing this out. Don't forget about what God is doing. It's not for us to get to a point where we're just so high-minded, we're so, no earthly good, that we focus on things that just don't matter. See, Jesus didn't do that. He knew that him and the Father was equal. But he lowered himself. I've been there before. Well, I've had that thought come to mind that's beneath me. You ever been there? Somebody asks you to pick up something or clean something or walk, scrub a toilet. I kind of thought that a little bit. When I first came into the military, I mean, they would, they would give you sometime a toothbrush and say, go scrub that tile. And I remember wrestling with inside. The first thought was, I can't believe they got me doing this. But I'm down on my knees. You know who come, becomes present when we humble ourselves? When we trust him? I could feel him. He reminded me that he washed the feet of the disciples. He let them put a crown of thorns on his head. He was beaten and bruised. They would call him out of his name. The Bible says he opened not his mouth. But he humbled himself. See, we see Jesus' divine nature and his ability to receive the praises of men just as God receives our praises, but he never lost sight of his gold. He never lost sight of his mission and his plans. See, so often we desire the praises of others and we'll go to any means to get it. We see that with Lucifer, who was the example of this not only wanted, did he want to be equal with God, he wanted to take over. But we see Jesus who made of himself no reputation. See, it shows what he was focused on, what he was thinking about, the will of the Father and others, and his purpose to suffer for all of mankind. See, I remember this with a friend of mine. I don't know if I ever told y'all this story. His name was Carl Johnson. Don't y'all go look him up. 
He was a really good friend. And him and I, Carl and I, liked this same young lady. And so at the end of a, one of our, I believe this was our eighth grade, we were going to go into high school after this, this year. She invited Carl and myself over to her, to her house. I mean, we really liked this same girl. And so she invited us over, and she was thanking us for being such good friends to, to her that she called was in front of me, and I saw her bend down. She was much taller than us. You know when you're in the eighth grade, all the girls taller than you, right? <laughs> she bent down, and she gave Carl a kiss. Then Carl moved to the side, and then I was next, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> she bent down and gave me a kiss. And I walked away from that. Carl was a good friend of mine, but I was angry with Carl. I was upset. I was like, we're not equal. She gave me the same kiss she gave Carl. And so, Carl, every time we would do something together, I would try to beat Carl to a pope. If we played football, I'd try to run him over. If we ran, I'd try to beat him every time. I wouldn't let Carl win at anything. We're not equal. And we were playing basketball. And I was trying, I was bumping Carl, and I was slapping him hard when he tried to go up. He was not going to win because we're not equal. And Carl stopped. He said, Jeff, I'm sick of it. I don't know what's going on with you, but I'm sick of it. We're done. We're not friends anymore. And he walked away. And I had to deal with that. It's like, what have I done? See, I so often had this mindset. That I'm more than, that I'm better than. And it prevented me from serving, from loving, from doing what God had shaped and fashioned me to do and be. And I so needed to learn that lesson. Christ is our example of this very thing. He stepped down from heaven. It wasn't a hesitation. It wasn't a, a second thought. He stepped down humbled himself, made of himself no reputation so that we would not be lost. See, 1 John 2, 16 through 17 says this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that was me, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
And the world is what? Passing away. That's what all this is about. What we're seeing is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. To Christ live this out. With the hopes and desires that we would follow his pattern and his plan. Why did Jesus do this? Because of his unspeakable love for God and for us. So for the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Saints of God, you are the joy that was set before him. The world is intended to be Jesus' joy. And the summary of it all, the mind of Christ is a mind that is no longer for himself. But for loving God and for loving the least of them. Everybody. Jesus loved you and he died for you. His mind was fixed on not losing you. He desired that our joy may be full. He came and gave himself as a ransom. He was thinking about your needs and the needs of others. That his service and his sacrifice would bring great joy. And so I encourage you. If you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Have his mind. The mind of Christ. Let his mind transform you and make you into a mind that loves. And I guarantee you, all these other things shall be added unto you.